you know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. This is your host, the original great Rob Silver. And today we have a stacked, stacked, stacked show. We will look at and recap the three big fights that occurred this past weekend, including, of course, the one that was held at the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. We will have an extensive Q&A session. I might have to cut back a few questions because I've got a ton of questions this week. And I will finish the podcast with my, let me make sure I got this number right. I'm doing the 25 greatest knockouts of all time um, historical overview because those who follow me on Twitter and follow me on the Fight Game Media Network website fightgamemedia.com know know that know that I've written a series of articles on that website and one of the articles I wrote were my greatest several articles I wrote were on the greatest knockouts of all time today number 23 I will be looking at Roy Jones's emphatic spectacular first round knockout of Montel Griffin from August 7th, 1997, a rematch from the controversial first fight that occurred a few months earlier. But first, before we begin the podcast, I always kick off the podcast with me mentioning the Patreon podcast I do on the Fight Game Media Patreon, $5 a month subscription only uh, podcast feed and the link to get that if you're interested in hearing my patreon podcast and this year i am doing the life and times of muhammad ali a 10-part series in which i look at 10 of the most important fights in muhammad ali's career i give you the historical overview of what was going on during that time period what was going on in ali's life as told to me by my father through several years, several conversations he and I had over the years on Ali's career. I do a recreation. If you guys heard the Andre Ward podcast I did last week, I do the same thing on the Ali Life and Times Patreon podcast in which I recreate the fight just like I did on the Andre Ward special podcast last week. Um, I do the recreation of the play-by-play. I ask you guys to, to mute your devices, mute your smart TVs, and I go ahead and I give my analysis and my play-by-play of the fight. Footage brought to you on YouTube by the great YouTube channel Vintage Boxing run by my buddy from the UK, Martin. The link is in the description of the podcast if you want to subscribe to my Patreon Behind the Paywall podcast And also besides my series And I'm about to record part 5 this week Four parts are already up on the Life of Times Muhammad Ali You have the Patreon exclusive Greatest 
upsets in boxing history that I did last year. The 10 greatest upsets in boxing history that I did last year. Now, on to Saturday night's fights. First, let's go to uh, let's go to the UK, and Sonny Edwards won what everybody expected—a twelve-round unanimous decision over Andres Campo to regain his Alphabet Criminal Cartel version of the flyweight title. Well, I think Sonny Edwards is the best flyweight on the planet, and hopefully, this sets up a fight between him and Jesse Bam um, Rodriguez. This would be an excellent fight between a fleet-footed, defensive-minded boxer and a great boxer puncher in Bam Rodriguez. I want to see this fight. They have the same promoter. Let's get it done. Um, According to reports that I read yesterday on social media and fight news, um, that they want to fight each other, and it's a great, 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 possibility that the fight could happen in the fall October November so let's keep our fingers crossed as 2023 has been a a phenomenal year in boxing and we've have right now what is probably now my leading contender for fight of the year out in Ontario California California always seems to have these great fight of the year type fights Jaime Munguia versus Sergei Derevianchenko. And once again, Derevianchenko was in a war. Um, and he, while he's been robbed in the past, I disagree with Chris Zanix, Chris Mannix, that clown on the zone. This was not a robbery. He gave two rounds to Derevianchenko that I gave to Munguia. Those two rounds could have gone either way. You cannot call a fight a robbery. If you have two or three or four swing rounds and down the stretch, Derevanchenko took a beating in 11th and 12th round. Mugia came on strong. Now, early in the fight, Derevanchenko staggered Mugia several times. First with a right cross and then later on with a left hook. Mugia stunned Derevanchenko. A few times early. They were swapping. The first six rounds, they were trading rounds. It was incredible infighting between two very flawed fighters. Both fighters are flawed, without a doubt. Both fighters are flawed, and neither fighter can stop a punch from landing. Jaime Munguia is an action fighter, but his defense is horrific. And when he finally does fight, a significant elite fighter at 168. And I'm not saying Sergey Derevchenko wasn't a significant fighter. This, in my opinion, is Munguia's greatest win. But Derevchenko's also 37 years old and been in a lot of wars. Uh, a couple of years ago, we might have seen Derevchenko knock out Munguia. Munguia came out strong in the 12th round, dropped Sergey with a beautiful left hook to the rib cage, and. Derevchenko showed a lot of heart in surviving, and Mugia wins by unanimous decision. Two judges had it 114-113. I can't argue with that. One judge had it 115-112. That's what I had. Chris Zanix, I think, had it 115-112. Derevchenko said he was robbed. No, he was not robbed. Stop the bullshit. Anyway, you're a horrible announcer. I'm not going to talk about you 
for the rest of this podcast. Fuck you, Chris Mannix. You're horrible. And speaking of horrible uh, color commentators, one of them wasn't he, uh, wasn't around for the biggest fight of the weekend. Tim Bradley was in upstate New York getting his undeserved induction into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. I'm not congratulating him because he didn't deserve to be voted in. Not when fighters like Michael Nunn, Chris Eubank, Vinny Pazienza, Marlon Stalin all had greater careers with bigger wins than Tim Bradley, yet they're not in. Tim Bradley's in because he beat a 90-year-old Juan Manuel Marquez and he got a robbery victory over Manny Pacquiao. Timothy Bradley was not a great fighter. He was a very good fighter who got lucky with one of the worst robberies in boxing history and fought a great fighter in Juan Manuel Marquez that was way past his prime. So let me stop, let's stop the BS here, right? Timothy Bradley, Hall of Famer. But uh, speaking of one, Manuel, congratulations to his brother, Raul Marquez. I always said, in my opinion, the greatest brother duo that I ever saw were the Marquez brothers, Juan Manuel and Raul Marquez, and now they're both in the International Box Hall of Fame. And also congratulations to Carl Cobra Frotch, who deserved to be inducted, and he got inducted. Congratulations to them. Forget Tim Bradley. Now, on to the main event. Of the show and the pound for pound fighter of the week is none other than the guy who a lot of people thought had no shot in beating Josh Taylor, and that is Tiafimo Lopez. Now, you know, I personally I do not like Lopez. He says the N word too many times. I've never uttered the N word one time in my life, and I hate when. Dudes use that word over and over again. Tiafimo Lopez is an ignorant piece of shit outside the ring. But inside the ring, he's a very good, now you can even say great fighter. Because now he has two wins over two elite fighters in winning the lineal lightweight title from Vasily Lomachenko and winning the the lineal junior welterweight title from Josh Taylor. And Josh Taylor was undefeated going into this fight. It's crazy how both these guys have the same had have have the same record today. They're both 19 and 1 with 13 knockouts. Once again, showing the inactivity of fighters in this era fighting only once if you're lucky twice a year. Anyway, uh, the first round, Taylor came out. Taylor, much bigger fighter than uh, Lopez, has him by a few inches in the reach and bigger girth-wise. Bullied Teal for the first two rounds. Even almost pushed him out the ring in the second round. But Lopez, beginning with the second round, began to counter Taylor with his vaunted right cross over and over again and began to utilize his jab and began to out-jab Taylor. And for the rest of the fight, Lopez did what he wanted to do. He landed the jab when he wanted to. He kept countering Taylor, who Taylor thought that because he was the bigger fighter, he could bully and even knock out Lopez. Lopez kept landing that counter right cross to the body and to the head over and over again, utilized his jab, utilized beautiful in and out movement, and was dominating the fight. After 10 rounds, 
I had T.O. winning seven of the first ten rounds. It was T.O.'s fight, in my opinion. Two of the three judges had the fight dead even going into the last two rounds. You Lomachenko fans crying that Loma got robbed and that wasn't a robbery. If Lopez doesn't win both the last two rounds convincingly, he gets robbed. And in the 12th round, he hurt Taylor and batted him from pillar to post. And yet, had he lost that round, it would have been a draw. Had he lost the 11th round, it would have been a draw. Criminal. Criminal scorecard. Criminal scorecards in a criminal sport. Now people listen and go, why are you calling these people criminals? Why are you following this criminal sport? First of all, boxing is my first and forever love. I'm never leaving boxing, right? I left the Mets. I left the Saints. I left the Sixers. Those were three of my other loves. I don't follow any teams in sports anymore. I'll watch it for the entertainment purposes, but I'm not invested in any team. Now, I'll be invested in a nice story like last year. I rooted heavily for Dusty Baker because, in my opinion, Dusty Baker is the greatest manager of my lifetime. And the Astros won the World Series, and kudos to Dusty Baker. This year, uh, I'm rooting for Nikola Jokic, the the Joker, because he's been undermined by several fans who think he's overrated. That dude's a beast. Now, I digress. Let me get back to boxing. All right. I'm always going to be invested in boxing. Ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing you can do about it. There's always going to be horrific scores in boxing. There's always going to be horrific judges. They've got Dave Moretti in Las Vegas, 150 years old. He's been judging fights since I was nine years old. I'm 55 years old. This man shouldn't be allowed to score a fight yet. In Vegas, he keeps getting one big fight after another. He should have never gotten the big fights to begin with. This is a guy that that scored more rounds for Jerry Cooney over Larry Holmes in their fight 41 years ago when Larry Holmes gave Cooney a boxing lesson. Only reason Holmes was ahead on Moretti's scorecard is because Holmes had knocked down Cooney and Cooney had had been deducted three points for low blows. This past Saturday night, Dave Moretti wasn't involved, but with his track record, he might have just scored the fight for Taylor. Tiafimo Lopez had to overcome horrific uh, uh, scores by two judges. It would have been the worst robbery of the year. Kudos to Tio Lopez. He's a piece of shit outside the ring, but inside the ring, he has delivered more times than not. And despite not looking well after losing to Cambosis, not looking well in his two fights after Cambosis, he put on a great performance Saturday night and beat a legit junior welterweight champion. Uh, Josh Taylor proved to be a great junior welterweight champion. He beat Regis Progress. Nobody beat has beaten Regis Progress other than Josh Taylor to unify the junior welterweight championship. Now, what's in store for T.O.? You got a lot of things that that T.O. could do. T.O. can give Taylor a rematch. T.O. could defend against Devin Haney in what would be an explosive big pay-per-view fight. T.O. could fight Regis Progress. Uh, The ball's in T.O.'s corner. 
Whatever T.O. does, he's earned the right to fight a bum in his next fight if he wants to. Because he proved everybody out there that was bad-mouthing him, told him that he was finished, that they were wrong. The pound-for-pound fighter of the year. Right now, he's going to be, unless something drastic happens, he is the leading contender. Matter of fact, he's the only contender for comeback fighter of the year. And you can make an argument that right now he's leading for fighter of the year. But I don't think he's going to win that award because I believe the winner of Spence Crawford will be the fighter of the year for 2023. Now on to my Ask Rob Silver segment. And we got a lot of questions, man. Oh, let me see something here. Um, I know Kobe had given me a question from a week earlier a friend of mine, Kobe, but I think I deleted it off the, uh, yeah, and, and my other phone is dead. So um, I'll get to Kobe's question about Andre Ward next week. Kudos to Kobe. Kobe. My brother Kobe Jackson from out in Tennessee, Detroit raised, living in Tennessee now, great pops, incredible husband. What's up, Kobe? All right, I got a, I think a couple of questions from my buddy Jody. Yeah, a couple of questions from my buddy Jody from New Orleans. Assume you have the power to change one thing in boxing. It can be a rule or an organizational thing. What's the one thing you would change? While we're not going to change horrible scorecards, we're not going to be able to change these criminal organizations like the WBA, WBO, WBC, and IBF or these state commissions that allow fighters that shouldn't be fighting to fight. I would like to see the one thing change is in case a fight is scored a draw, could we implement a 13th round or an 11th round, a Southern death round? Now, before you say, wow, that's crazy. They used to have this rule in the USBA back in the 1980s, the the United States Boxing Association. There were fights that actually had a 13th round tiebreaker. What you would do as soon as the fight's over, even if you think you're way ahead, even if you know that this guy won, both fighters should be sitting in their corners while the decision is read. And if it's a draw, they can get a five-minute break to get their bearings, and then we go and start the 13th round. And the winner of that round wins the fight. Period. End of story. That's the one thing I would change when it comes to the boxing, because everything else is going to be damn near impossible. But that's something that's very doable. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, here's a question from um, Hall of Fame General Manager, another great father. And happy Father's Day to everybody. The Father's Day is coming up. So um, happy Father's Day to you, Kobe. Happy Father's Day to you, Jotty. And happy Father's Day to Hall of Fame General Manager, Erie Avenue's finest from Philadelphia. He he tweeted that Oscar fought everybody, and I said no. The only fighter he didn't fight was Winky Wright, and I felt he avoided Winky Wright. And the question Hall of Fame general manager asked is, you think he intentionally avoided him, or it was just timing? Um, I believe Oscar De La Hoya intentionally avoided Winky Wright because Winky was on top at 154 the same time Oscar was on top. Okay, now that's not saying Oscar wouldn't have fought Winky after Oscar got robbed against Mosley because after Mosley got a gift decision against Oscar De La Hoya, his next fight was against Winky, and Winky mopped the floor. Now, would have would Oscar have fought Winky? Maybe, maybe that was the bad time in about it but before his controversial loss to Mosley Oscar wasn't looking to fight Winky and after Winky beat Mosley twice there was never any discussions of Oscar fighting Winky instead Oscar went up to middleweight and got knocked out by Bernard Hopkins so uh Winky's the one name missing from Oscar's uh Great resume. Yeah, Oscar fought Mosley twice. He fought Trinidad. He fought Hopkins. He fought he fought I when nobody wanted to fight I He beat he beat in a very, very close fight, sweet P. Whitaker. He destroyed Julio Cesar Chavez twice. Oscar fought a who's who of great fighters. The one fighter he didn't fight was Winky Wright. And in my opinion, I think he intentionally avoided him. The only thing that would have changed my mind is if he hadn't gotten robbed against Mosley, does he fight Winky the next fight? I've always said that Oscar avoided Winky because it was too big a risk for a low payday. Oscar was getting huge money, and I don't think Oscar would have got the same amount of money fighting Winky Wright that he got versus Bernard Trinidad, Mosley, etc. All right, let's continue with the questions here on the Ask Rob Silver segment of the podcast. All right, here we go. Uh, let me go back, back a little bit. Let me check the time. Yeah, we, we're still doing good on time. This this question was asked by several people. Uh, Eric Stevens, my buddy, my buddy Skis. Who else asked this question? Let me see. Who else asked this question? A few guys asked this question. 
I'm going to give a credit to those guys, Eric Stevens and Skis. And Boxing News put up a, a couple of uh, all-time great rankings. The first one they did was they did a vote amongst, I guess, the people that contribute to Boxing News, and they ranked their 10 greatest boxers of all time. Now, I'll read it off. They got Sugar Ray Robinson, one, Ali, two, Henry Armstrong, three, Joe Lewis, four, Sugar Ray Leonard, five, Roberto Durant, six, Harry Greb, seven, Jimmy Wilde, eight, Willie Pep, nine, and Archie Moore, ten. I don't like doing all-time great list in any sport, especially boxing, because I wasn't around doing a lot of these guys' time from these 10. None of these guys on the top 10 I saw in their prime, None, except for Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran, my bad. Uh, early signs of dementia. I started watching boxing in 77. All right. But my the, the top six here was my father's top six, except he flip-flopped a few. My father's top six greatest fighters of all time were Sugar Ray Robinson, Muhammad Ali, Henry Armstrong. He had Duran four, Sugar Ray Leonard five, and Joe Lewis six. That, that's my father's top six. My father felt the same way I feel about Harry Greb. I can't put him in an all-time top ten when there's no footage of Harry Greb. All right. This is on hearsay. This is on what reporters, what they read of newspaper clips from back in the day. There's no footage of him fighting. Now, I know he beat Gene Tunney, the only man to ever beat Gene Tunney, former heavyweight champion of the world. And he once won like 65 fights in one year without losing. Harry Greb, no doubt a great fighter. But I can never put him on an all-time great list if there's no footage of him. And all the people that have seen him fight have long been buried in the ground. Jimmy Wilde was a great fighter. A lot of British fans say he's the greatest British fighter of all time. Willie Pep, I can't put Willie Pep in, a, in an all-time top 10 when Sandy Sadler beat him three out of four times. I can't put Archie Moore in a top 10 when Ezra Charles beat him over and over again. Right. So, yes, this list is severely flawed. The top six, no argument, because my father would agree with the top six if he was still alive. But you got to have in a top 10, a top 10 is invalid if Floyd Mayweather's not in the top 10. Okay. Floyd is not in this top 10. My father sold Floyd up until 2000, so uh, he wouldn't have done enough in my in my father's eyes to have merited top 10 because my father died in 2000. But if my father were alive today, he would have had Roy Jones Jr. and Floyd Mayweather in his top 10 and he would not have had Harry Greb. He would have not have Willie Pep and he would not have had Archie Moore in the top 10. So uh, I can't argue with the top six if I'm looking from my father's perspective, but seventh through 10 is very flawed and I would add Floyd. I would add Floyd Mayweather, Larry Holmes. I would add Floyd, Larry Holmes from 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 my list. I would have Flo uh, Marvin Hagler, Marvin Hagler, marvelous Marvin. My 
the four greatest fighters I ever saw in my lifetime were Sugar Ray Leonard, Floyd Mayweather, Sugar Ray Leonard, Floyd Mayweather, Roy Jones Jr., Marvin Hagler. Sugar Ray and is on this list, you know. So you'd have to add Mayweather, Hagler, Mayweather, Hagler, Roy, and Larry Holmes. My father would have had probably with me to round out this top 10. So also, Boxing News put out what they said was an AI 10 greatest fighters of all time. And this shit's a fucking joke. Ali won, Robinson two. Even Ali would tell you Sugar Ray Robinson was a greater fighter than him. Joe Lewis three. So you, you you can make an argument for the top three. Rocky Marciano number four. Rocky Marciano's not one of the greatest 100 fighters of all time. Fuck a top 10. You get that shit the fuck out of here. Floyd Mayweather five. I You know... I wouldn't be arguing argue. Sugar Ray 6, Durant 7, Jack Johnson, Mike Tyson, and Manny Pacquiao rounding it out. Mike Tyson does not belong in the top 10 greatest fighters of all time. He barely makes the top 10 heavyweight fighters of all time, and that's at the low end of the total pole. Manny Pacquiao is not a top 10 great fighter of all time, period, end of story. So this list is even more laughable than the list that the – their editors came up with all right enough talk about that nonsense see what else we have amongst the questions all right let me see my buddy uh my buddy from um my buddy zach from detroit Ask what's a mistake boxers did What's a mistake a boxer did that wound up Ruining their career Alright Roy Jones Continuing the fight after Antonio Tarva and Glenn Johnson knocked him out Back to back he should have Retired immediately he had no business Fight again and he took Unnecessary punishment for Several years after that unfortunately Muhammad Ali coming back and fighting Larry Holmes. He should have never came back because that worsened his condition that led to having Parkinson's. Those are two of the biggest mistakes I've ever seen boxers doing. Well, there's been a bunch. There's been a bunch, but I'd put those two at the very top of the, of, of the food chain. Also, Mike Tyson firing Kevin Rooney. No one had more chemistry with Mike Tyson, including Customato, than Kevin Rooney. Under Rooney, Mike Tyson was hungry and he gave it a thousand percent. After Rooney was fired and let go, Mike Tyson did whoever the, whatever the fuck he wanted to do. Lost his hunger, lost his desire, and lost his focus. Kevin Rooney kept him focused. Kevin Rooney kept him hungry. Kevin Rooney knew how to get on the Tyson skin to get the best out of Tyson. So right there are three of the biggest mistakes I've ever seen a boxer make in the history of boxing. All right. Let's continue with the questions. All right. No matter of fact, I got one last question, 
And this question, let me get this question up. Make sure I got the question. From my buddy Sly, how y'all feel about Mexican fighters in general? I'm going to answer this question twofold. First and foremost, Mexican fighters that base their style off of Julio Cesar Chavez eventually have a short shelf life. Julio Cesar Chavez, the most popular Mexican fighter of all time, was a beast in the ring, without a doubt. One of the greatest body punches of all time. But one thing Chavez did was when he fought a great boxer with hand speed and 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 combination punching like a Meldrick Taylor, Pernell Whitaker, and then later on Frankie Randall, he was susceptible because his defense wasn't the greatest. Yes, he had head movement, but those guys took advantage of his aggression and used it against him because they were all great counter punches. Right? Chavez was the best of the Mexican style of boxing, but even Chavez wasn't able to overcome getting hit by those. Now, I know he beat Taylor controversially. Um, Pee Wee was robbed against Chavez because Pee Wee gave Chavez a, a boxing lesson. Um, Frankie Randall beat him badly the first time by decision. And in the second fight, Frankie Randall was robbed because of a headbutt that the criminal sanctioned WBC had under their rules where the fighter that doesn't bleed gets deducted a point. What kind of ridiculous shit was that? That was a rule that happened for years in the, in the WBC. But once Chavez got older, that defense was very lacking. He got chopped up by Frankie Randall. He got chopped up by De La Hoya. He got chopped up by Costa Zoo. That's why I never consider Chavez the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. In my opinion, the greatest Mexican fighter ever lived was Salvador Sanchez. He's not your typical Mexican brawler. Salvador Sanchez, one of the greatest, if not the greatest counterpuncher I ever saw. Juan Manuel, Juan Manuel Marquez, another great counterpuncher. I've got Salvador Sanchez as the 10th greatest fighter I've ever seen in my lifetime. And he died at 23, 24 in a car accident in his prime. Salvador Sanchez would have chopped up Julio Cesar Chavez had they fought a year a year or two later because Chavez was tailor-made for Salvador Sanchez. Miguel Canto, great flyweight champion from the 1970s, was a beautiful boxer who, who gave you movement and was a great defensive fighter, multiple-time flyweight champion of the world. Marco Antonio Barrera and Eric Morales were excellent boxers who were great counterpunchers. Eric Morales had a great left jab. Those fighters would have fought in any era and gave every fighter hell. Those were the greatest Mexican fighters I ever saw. And now on to my article, my historical overview of the 23rd greatest knockout I've ever seen. Roy Jones Jr. versus Montel Griffin, August 7th, 1997. As I wrote in my article that's on Fightgame. Media.com. The single worst decision that ever occurred on any level in boxing, amateur or pro, happened at the 1988 Seoul Olympics when Roy Jones was robbed of the light middleweight gold medal after beating up the South Korean representative Park Si-hun for every second of the entire three rounds. 
This nightmare repeated itself the night of March 21st, 1997 in Jones' first light heavyweight title defense against Montel Griffin. Jones inadvertently hit Griffin with a combination after Griffin took a knee. Immediately, Griffin appeared to put on the acting performance of a lifetime as he appeared to feign unconsciousness, which resulted in Jones being disqualified and losing his title to Griffin. It would be an understatement to say Roy was furious at how he lost his title and undefeated pro record. It would motivate him to put on one of the most destructive knockouts in boxing history. Jones received an immediate rematch against Griffin on August 7, 1997. Just seconds into the fight, Jones landed three left-hook bombs, the third of which knocked Griffin into the ropes, resulting in referee Arthur McKenty ruling a knockdown. Jones, then, not unlike a tiger alpha blood, kept firing kept firing his signature left hook until he landed another leaping left hook that completely concussed Griffin. Griffin tried getting up twice from that punch but stumbled, but stumbled down twice before being counted out. Jones' second reign at 175 pounds would commence. It was the beginning of a seven-year reign that was probably the most dominating title reign in the history of the, of the division. Griffin became the proverbial 175-pound gatekeeper the rest of his career as in order to prove you were a legitimate contender to the title, you had to defeat him. Griffin retired in 2011 at the age of 41, accomplishing, accomplish, accomplishing what no one else did. He defeated Roy Jones in his prime. No matter how tainted the victory was, that's an achievement that can never be taken away. Ladies and gentlemen, next week's podcast, we will do number 22, the 22nd greatest knockout of all time. I will also give you the recaps of Regis Progress's uh, fight this weekend coming up. And there's another fight this weekend coming up. Let me double check. I know there's two, two. Big time fighters are fighting this week. Let's see what the other fight is. Let me see. Regis Progress is fighting. And the other fight this weekend coming up is Oh, Tim Zhu. Regis Progress is fighting Dan- Daniel Daniel Zorilla. I believe the fight's being held in New Orleans, so homecoming for Regis Progress. The best New Orleans boxer of my lifetime so far. And Tim Zhu is fighting Carlos Ocampo. Carlos Ocampo uh, is going to get brutally brutalized by Tim Zhu. And uh, Zorilla is going to get brutally brutalized by Regis Progress. I predict both fights will end within five rounds. Um, All right. And those are my predictions for those fights. Next week, I will recap both fights. Tim Zhu staying active while waiting for charlo to recuperate so they can have their unification uh fight charlo the unif the undisputed 154 pound champion and um progress staying busy defending his wbc criminal cartel junior weight junior welterweight talent hoping hoping to get a fight either against i hate to say this adrian broner devin haney and or of course the great Tio Lopez. So I'll be reviewing those fights next week. Uh, Progress and Zeus fights. I will 
answer more questions from the Q&A session, and I will give you my 22nd greatest knockout of all time. Until next week, this is the OG Rob Silver wishing everybody a very happy Father's Day out there and for everybody to continue to be blessed and be a blessing. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.